Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. Steven. And we are uh, hanging out here at Pulse Music. Where Steven runs the show, owner, operator, <laughs> master producer. <laughs> Let's say you're, you're sitting here listening to this podcast. You're like, I want to do some voiceover work. And it sounds fucking good. You want to sound you know as what? good as this podcast? Best pod- sounding podcast. These yeah. are the best microphones you could do a podcast on. Absolutely. So yeah, if you check like out, the sound of my voice. Check out Pulse Music, book, book a session, um, and tell, tell them uh, you're a Going Off Track fan. Yeah, do that. They might let us come back again. Yeah. Uh, Brad mentioned that he's going to Texas soon. Yeah, because, you know, summertime, might as well go to Texas, right? Where yeah. else would you go? Yeah. And if you're going to go to Texas, you might as well go to Dallas-Fort Worth, because pff, where else is there, really? Yeah. You know, Austin. That, it's the nicest weather right now. <laughs> it is really so nice. Stupid. Everything down there is air conditioned, though, pretty much. Right? Yeah, and there's a pool everywhere you go. There's I'm a sure. pool. I'm going to a ranch. I mean, okay. it'll actually be cool, not temperature wise, right. but it'll be fun. It's a friend of mine, an old friend who's had this ranch in her family for generations. And nice. I think she's like breaking it up or selling part of it, but I think also it's kind of like a. I think it's like kind of like a wedding reception for a wedding that hasn't happened yet and that I won't get invited to. So, I, dude, I love <laughs> not getting invited to weddings. But I like weddings. I love going to weddings. And I always go to weddings. Oh, it's so I've been to fun. weddings in Australia, Hawaii. I don't we don't say no. It's a reason really? to go somewhere weird. Yeah. And drink and eat for free. Yeah. I only like here's why I like weddings. If it's like I'm going to a wedding in LA, um this summer which will be fun because it's like i we have a lot of mutual friends so like i'll know a lot of people um and i like weddings that are here where i don't have to like commute but uh you may be like you may still be you know you've still been to like the dud family weddings maybe that's what your your perception is instead of like the cool friend weddings yeah well here's what i feel like i feel like i i don't see myself getting married anytime in the near future so, but I've been to so many ways that I feel like I'm like paying into this thing where I'm never going to get a return on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like I'm just fucking buying presents for everyone I know. <laughs> uh, I know that sounds weird, but it's like at a certain point, I'm like, oh, here we go again. 
<laughs> it is expensive. Yeah, it's going expensive. to <laughs> going to and being in weddings. Oh yeah, is expensive. Yeah, the whole thing is terrible. And like the sick part about it is that when you could go to like a DJ and say, "Hey, I'm throwing this party. You know, it's my dad's 50th birthday or whatever." And like, um, how much would it be if you just you know spin for three hours? And he'll tell you. And then you come back the next day and go like, "Hey, I got this wedding, <laughs> it's like and it'll be three triple, times. yeah, the price. Photo, triple, I think anything, totally. yeah. Like, yeah. We, we had our wedding. We totally. bought, we literally bought stuff because the rentals were more expensive. Like, we bought like tableware and tablecloths. <laughs> like, it was insane. Yeah, I, um, I have never spent any money on a wedding." I've never gotten married. Yeah, it's a smart it's a smart way to go, dude. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about friends who have been like married multiple times? Do you get like less expensive uh, presents each time? You don't time? get a friend no more. Yeah, no, you don't get get, really you, you don't get big number two wedding. Yeah, yeah. You might get a you know, a little something for the second time, but no 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 no. But it's not, you know, what about the person who's marrying them? Maybe it's not their fault that the person's already been married. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. There's ru- there's un- unwritten rules. Maybe about a little that cash, stuff. you know. If yeah, if you know yeah. it's going to be a nice like party, maybe you'll throw. A what if cash you think? What way. if you think the wedding is the marriage is not going to last? Are you like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel that way every time I go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh man, today on the podcast we have uh, Spike Slauson, <clears throat> and he's a you may know him from me first in the Gimme Gimmies. Punk rock supergroup. You might know him from Swingin' Utters. You might know him from the Swingin' Utters. That's where I met him. Yeah. Old friend of Brad's. Uh, yeah, the lineup for me first, as you know, is No Effects is Fat Mike, Dave Ron and Joey Cape from Lagwagon, Chris Shifflett from Nice for Name, and Spike Sings. Although when they came out here, Mike was not with them. Jay Bentley from Bad Religion was playing bass. Right. Um, <laughs> which would have been fun to see. I've actually never seen me first. Really? Yeah, I don't know how that's happened. I've seen No Effects a ton of times. I've never, yeah, never seen them. It's em. pretty fun. Yeah. I've And I don't know if they always have the bartender on stage, but it, it used to always be John Bush. He would always oh, do yeah? the bar and like, um, or whenever he could. But that's definitely part of the show. Because you can like, if, you, if, you've, if you're on stage, you can go get a drink while, in the middle of their set. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you just, walk, you just awesome. walk on stage. And just... Well, if you're like at the side of the yeah, stage yeah. of your friends with the band, you know, you just go around and kind of like yeah. order a drink. It's, yeah. It's fucking dope. Yeah. I've never. Especially in the middle that. of like Warp Tour. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, but yeah, this is a fun podcast. I, yeah, I had never met Spike before. He's an old friend of Brad's and we've been trying to do this for a while. I mean, I feel like Me First doesn't tour that much because all those guys are in so many different bands yeah. that tour a lot. So, uh, not that I would know what that's like. But uh, yeah, um, this is a great episode. Spike's really cool. Um, I'm not going to talk about what we talked about in the podcast because you just have to listen and find out. So let's uh, get into it with uh, Spike Lawson from me first in the Give Me Gimme. It's ungreen product because they use a gallon of gas to get that one bottle here, dude. How the fuck do you know how it gets over I here? I know this shit. I'm an eco-terrorist. You don't know shit. There, that I said mustache it. and the black shirt <laughs> doesn't make you an eco-terrorist. I said it. I got it out. Listen, <laughs> you don't know how much gas my Fiji water took to get here. You just don't know. 
you're spreading more misinformation, and this is not the time to be spreading more on this real news. It's really irresponsible. (laughs) Irresponsible. You're a journalist. Because anyone with a Twitter account's a journalist. Have you been following all this conspiracy stuff, all the misinformation? How do you feel about the state of the media in in 2017? Really? That's what we're going to open with? Yeah! (laughs) I honestly don't know, man. Like, it's a weird... uh, Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, it's a weird time, for sure. Because I think uh, Democrats' hands are just every bit as dirty as... uh, Or at least almost as dirty as, as the other side... But, uh, yeah, they seem to be in this weird sort of rush to war. And then the other guy is, the other side is, is, yeah, I have no idea. I, I it's, it's, uh, it's all too much. I got that countable app. What's and then that? I read, it's that thing where you like, instead of actually like calling your congressman, you just like, you know, s- say yay or nay on your fucking phone it's just like oh really yeah you could be really lazy about it there's no way that works no it doesn't like yeah. i read i read somewhere <laughs> somebody wrote a new yorker article like that uh that said uh calls don't really work but that countable shit like they just like they dismiss that just out of hand yeah uh but like it, it got to the point where like you'd you'd not look at your phone for like 12 hours and there's like 190 diff- you know like it's just too much right so i don't know well i guess you know obviously you're i feel like no effects is such a political band with mike it must be and you guys obviously like your music not as political it must be kind <clears> of nice to have that as like more of an escape sort of because I feel like that you hear about this stuff so much, I guess. No, I, no. I, I don't really talk to, you know, we, I mean, we sort of talk politics, but he's like one of those weird kind of like neoliberal like Democrat type yeah. people. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and sometimes we overlap on that. But uh, yeah, when it comes to like working schmoes, he, he's he's not as sympathetic as you'd like him to be. Right. Know? Yeah, I feel like. You know the the loose information I have on like where you're from and stuff. I made me think of um, a way I've been feeling recently, which is I do tend to have super progressive neoliberal tendencies, but I was raised around a lot of like working class and white trash people. Yeah, and I realized that like the tenor and tone of all of it is just like not on point. No. Like, with what people can understand and with what people want. No, like, their party, like, doesn't have their back anymore. Like, and they know it, you know? Do you feel like the difference in that comes from someone totally born and raised in California and then someone who, like you, who, like, started in Pittsburgh and then moved around? Like, you have maybe your footing in a in a different world a little bit? Somebody that grew up in Pittsburgh, like, I, I didn't grow up grimy, but I grew up, like, grime adjacent. Like, right. you were prepared for 2008 for that weird kind of valuation that everybody went through. Mm. You know, like, my wor- my life and work and everything that's come up to this point is worth exactly this. And that's a weird thing to find out. And Pittsburghers found that out in, like, the in the 70s. Right, right, you know? right. And, like, Pittsburgh was one of those places that just had one thing going on. So... Like, when that fell out, like, people started doing really weird shit. And it's just steel, you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just steel. And, and like, and colleges, like, there was this, like, kind of academic world that was sort of starting to, like, 
I wouldn't say eclipse it because it didn't want to take that world's place, but it was, you know, Pittsburgh was turning into kind of a university town. Mm-hmm. And so like milk toasts like me, like I wasn't born there. You know what I mean? So, so these people whose, whose dads were losing their jobs, like they knew what I was. And they knew that my world was taking over their world in Pittsburgh, or they thought that it was. Yeah, so yeah, they were yeah. out for blood. Right. Like when they came to school and, you know. Hmm. So, and, and that made it really hard to empathize with them. That also coupled with the fact that, like, when you read about the opioid crisis now, the language is a lot different from, like, from the crack era. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they talked about super predators and like these this almost like supernatural thing like where if you went outside like crack babies and crack wars yeah, right, like right, right. whereas now it's these people that you have to empathize with and in huh. my weaker moments you know <laughs> it's interesting. I don't want to empathize with them but well you don't have to. The only way forward is empathy, man, <laughs> I guess. Jonah. Yes. Do you believe that that the only way forward is empathy? Yeah, I think empathy is important. I think it can be difficult. But it's I think just it's so damn hard. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, I feel like you may have the least empathy in this room. Or at least you uh, you give off that sheen. Well, of I definitely l- grew less up empathy. grime adjacent. <laughs> Very much. I wouldn't even say adjacent. I would say grime surrounded. <laughs> yeah. So Where did you yeah. grow up? I grew up in Central Mass, which is rife with white trash and yeah. what i call the northern hillbillies yeah. and the uh national basketball and, hall of fame and i can make direct comparisons because i have family <laughs> i mean i have yeah. white trash family all over the place from indiana to the south so and they make empathy I know of which tough. I speak. yeah <laughs> if we didn't like are are non-white trash people allowed to say white trash or is it offensive oh like the is word yeah is that like a thing Am I only allowed to freely say it am because white, I'm like partially am I white, white trash, trash now that I live in well, New York said, City? You're like white trash adjacent, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and but if that you stash were... is getting dirtier. Like, <laughs> I'm trying like, to go back. I'm like, trying to relate. I'm, yeah, I guess I'm trying to have empathy. I feel like you grew a mustache two months ago and then didn't trim it once. Is that what happened? No, I trimmed you know, it today. You know, you got to maintain these things, right? I trimmed it today. All right. <laughs> Wow, look at this is going off track mustache. Look at all three hosts with mustaches. Yeah. Spice, Spice, the like, last time I saw this guy, he I came in with clean, a great I probably shave couldn't grow and a, a nice haircut. You look fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> you definitely look younger than Brad, I gotta be yeah. honest. Well he probably is. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what what era were you an internet fat? Oh, that would have been like 95, 96. And they were paying me actually. I oh, was yeah? I was I was uh shipping and receiving okay. for them. So ninety five, ninety six. That's like that's sort of like rancid outcome. The wolves era. I mean, obviously, yeah. the epitaph. But that was when that stuff was really. Exploding. Yeah, I remember when that record came out. I, I like that record a lot. <laughs> um, it was also a different time. Like San Francisco was just about to have the first tech boom, so it was like the the last, uh, like the end of this kind of era of San Francisco that I knew. I'd been there mm-hmm. since ninety. Okay, and uh, it seems unfortunately like loathe as i am to admit it that that san francisco moved to los angeles yeah and kind of colonized downtown what do you mean by that san francisco just like the more alternative the fun creative like people that know how to have like unselfconscious fun you know but also weren't afraid of being like ambitious right right, like there's a lot of people in san francisco now that like ridicule ambition as if it's some kind of you know like Uh you know 
if you're seen to be like reaching for the brass ring, you know, yeah, it delegitimizes yeah. everything you do, and uh, it's because of their fear either of success or failure that they kind of like impose it on you. Yeah, what you is know? that? I, I feel like there's a lot of towns where the only way to stay legit is to die poor and hungry in and that mediocre. Town. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? I feel like you should be proud. You should be like, ah, this person, we nurtured this person from our bosom, and now they're out in the world yeah. being well. You know? Making money. Yeah. We're doing, doing whatever. Good. Being yeah. happy. True. Berkeley especially is very much, has, has had that anti, anti-success yeah. vibe, which just always blew my mind. Is it just because success is just like equated with capitalism it's like a hippie thing man no i think it's because they shave their heads yeah (laughs) i think they're like protecting their like they're (laughs) mediocre and when they see people that aren't mediocre it it you know it threatens the they feel threatened i see so you know like everybody be mediocre let's do a tribute night to you know (laughs) So and so, and it's all like self-referential and like self-congratulatory, but nobody ever kind of busts out and and like achieves, you know, fire. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Because yeah. they're ridiculed for even wanting to. It's true. Mm. L.A.'s not like that, you know. Do you anymore? Like, do you like hanging out in L.A.? I like hanging out there. I could never live there because it's yeah. just too spread out, and it's like not a city that you could actually sort of just spontaneously engage with. That's kind of the, the definition of a city to me, where you could just walk out mm. and experience things. But like the destinations are are great once you know where they are, and then now that I guess it was mostly San Franciscans or largely San Franciscans kind of colonized downtown because it used to be really scary there. Um, yeah, it's like I, I really it's love hilarious. that part of Los Angeles yeah. now, man. Like it's uh, no, I remember when it was scary, and, <laughs> and now I visited there a few times and just thought, wow, this is hilarious. It's like being in a, like a weird deco, like Spanish revival East Village or something. Well, it's like a whole other. It's just like it's a whole other city because yeah. it doesn't look anything like any other part of LA. LA, my definition of LA has always been a huge collection of suburbs. Yeah, it's like if you took. What happened in L.A. is a whole bunch of suburbs started just swelled up until they touched each other, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was called L.A. Yeah. Now, that's literally what it is. Yeah. And, like, it could happen anywhere and probably will happen other places in the country over time. But, yeah, it's a giant suburb. But now they actually have a heart that looks like an actual city, which is... It's actual downtown. downtown. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's supposed which to be... Which wasn't there for, forever. No. For its whole existence... Until now, until it was like, like the Road like Warrior before. Ago. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was super frightening. Just big meat eating, you know, <laughs> animals. It was, yeah, man. literally not. A, you wouldn't. You literally couldn't go there after dark. No, like, for real. And that wasn't even Skid Row. Like it, <laughs> yeah. all of downtown was Skid yeah. Row. But then you crossed a certain street and you were in the actual Skid Row. Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing I've ever seen like that is like like around Temple University in Philadelphia. Yes. If you've been like. Yes. Like that it's just wild. Just that's feral. scary down there. Yeah. That's pretty normal. Well that that's how like all of downtown LA was. Yeah, yeah. And so like the the it seemed like the focal point of LA, whenever you went there, you went to Hollywood. Right. Which was also like a mess, a dangerous yeah. mess. Anywhere east of Las Palmas Street. And like LA was just this slum that was adjacent to Hollywood. Yeah. You know? I always thought L.A. to me is always the film Judgment Night with Dennis Leary. Oh, yeah. 
like <laughs> classic yeah. like that like I with had, Jeremy Piven too wasn't Piven. he the first to go man yeah they were going to like a Lakers game in an RV <laughs> yeah. and they just took like a left and that's the film and I believe Cuba Gooding Jr. is the uh, I believe that's Cuba Cuba <laughs> excuse me but that's like LA is one of those places that I had like an idea in my head about what it was going to be, and it was exactly what I thought it was <laughs> when I got there. Yeah, and, it always felt like something bad was going to happen, and you just hoped yeah. that it didn't happen to you. And the other part to me felt like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that was the other part, and then there was like the drug, like Jefferson Airplane part. Those are like the three parts. The of West LA Hollywood yeah. kind of like hippie. Yeah. yeah, and they all kind of rang true. They yeah. were all kind of yeah. exactly that. LA, LA will never let you down when it comes to stereotypes. That's well, and sure. just its history. Yeah. Like its real history, yeah. like the crime history, like yeah. the, the sort of like, you know, legal crime. Well, it's like our newest city, pretty much, that's that big, you know? Yeah. Like it's so new. It's, it's 100 years old. Yeah. So it's not like folk <laughs> tales. There's like microfilm, you know what I mean? Yeah. And actual photos <laughs> of stuff like Rick Ross. Wasn't like there's there's like a, a recording of him inventing the crack epidemic. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he's like, no. man, like we're cooking this shit now. Like freeway Rick Ross. Yeah, really? Not Wait, the rapper. Not Rick the Ross. rapper Rick Ross. Oh. Freeway Rick Ross. Freeway like... Rick Ross made a phone call. Like, and and I guess the CIA or or the police were tapping his phones. <laughs> yeah, and he said, like, dude, like they're cooking this stuff, <gasps> man. We're gonna like we're gonna <laughs> run L.A. Holy shit! Wow. And then they did. Yeah. And that's what's so fascinating about its history is it's like all, you know, it's so recent that it that it's like sort of is tractable a word. You know what I mean? Like, like you can kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and you never have to put on like a winter coat. Maybe that's why prostitution was so big. There. They try, though. The minute it dips below like 70 oh, just crazy. degrees, they all put I out there, put on their puffy jackets because it's the only time they can. Spike, I had a question. I just want to get this chronology just because I think it's so interesting. So you were... I, my introduction to me first was Survival of the Fattest 2, mm. Country Roads. Mm. How er, And I'm assuming a, a lot of people... I mean, how early into the band was, was that? Like, how did that sort of... Because to me, that compilation is so legendary. That was one of the first uh, songs that we recorded. Really? Yeah. To tape, I think I was... As cliched as it sounds, I think I was actually blacked out. Really? The recording of that song. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How did you guys, how do you sort of like decide on song? I mean, because I, at, at that age, I was like 15 or something. I thought that was an original song. Like, how did you sort of, <laughs> like, and then, like, like, I thought the California Raisins sang I Heard It Through the Grapevine Forever. Right. I thought they wrote that. Right. right. Like, you know, yeah. You're a dumb teenager. Yes, I was a dumb teenager. <laughs> um, it, Mike is, has a really good, um, sense of what songs work in that weird kind of like, you know, pop punk sort of idiom. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he he, uh, and I reserve veto power. That's 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 about all I can say. You know what I mean? Like no, Mike, I'm not gonna do Hotel California. Man. Like I can't. Uh, but um, yeah, it's usually usually I find that songs that I don't like are the ones that work. Mm. Like all that AM gold stuff. Yeah. You know, that that I could like like ironically or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But like uh we tried to do the easy beats once and I didn't think it came out all What's that well. Uh Friday on my mind. Oh, yeah. And it's just, you know, because I like it probably means that it was done. 
You know, like generally, if I like songs, it's not uh, it's not worth. Well, it's doing. weird. The cover thing is crazy because it's you just never know what's going to translate well, into like a cool cover. No, and it's it's not like the idiom. It's kind of defined by its limitations. You know, you yeah. can only do so much with what it is, <laughs> and you shouldn't try to do somebody else's job. You know, but it also seems like it seems harder than it looks. Like I feel like you could hear any song, but like, yeah, we'll put the power chords and like fast drums and it'll, it'll sound like a me first but i feel like you do have to be really deliberate on what works and what doesn't yeah and and it has it it what i've found over the years is that it's usually conceptual rather than trying to hammer it out in a practice space like if you wind up spending just hours on a song it was probably not right. the song to do in the first place right i remember when mike came on the podcast he was talking about you guys playing at an actual bar mitzvah yeah we did that what was it in in Los Angeles or no um in it was like the hills not too far from Malibu like somewhere like west LA and um it was his accountant's son was turning 13 hmm. so yeah we played his bar mitzvah we had to do the songs twice you know what I mean? So we got a mulligan on some of the songs. They gave us mugs of wine. No way. Yeah. Um, man, and at first, man, but they gave everybody else a bunch of wine, too. So, like, there are these pictures of people holding their ears at the beginning. And then, like, halfway through, like, in our second set, everybody just went nuts. Yeah, because he was like, yeah, people don't realize this was, like, a real bar mitzvah. People think it's just, like, a no. joke or something. It was like they carried him around in the chair. It was um, not a stunt. We did Hava Nagila. Um... I don't remember like if they did like the actual ceremony there, but I it, it, like the actual the, the party or reception. Do you have a reception at a? I think bar it's mitzvah? a reception. I had one. It was a long time ago, though. Yeah, I think you have a reception. I've been to several, but my it's been... parents are terrible Jews. Yeah, so I I never even had one. I'm technically not a man. <laughs> Whoa. I don't know. I mean, do I heard you, about do that. that I, one I thought will, that I thought but... that rumor was 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 just that. Hey, it's true, huh? Under the eyes of God, I'm not a man. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Sorry, fellas. When you're uh, choosing covers and... and Pick a restroom, pal. <laughs> and, you, and you finally choose one. Like, you say it has to kind of happen in a natural way. Do you, like, is the first step to just try and find the key and, like, stay in that same place? Is that a necessary part when you're reworking the song? Like the key, like the the, the, yeah, the, the key range of the song you're doing. I mean, like, how do you need it to stay in some familiar pocket of the song in order for it to still be that song, and and for it for people to even recognize it as yeah. as the song it was? Yeah, that's important to me. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I don't know what more I could add to that, <laughs> but it's it's. Uh, <laughs> You said it. Well, uh, I, what I, about I you, us? Benny? I mean, you, your Gaslight does covers. I mean, you guys do Pearl Jam, The Who, a lot of classic covers. I mean, how do you? Does that work the same for you? It's just we pretty much just do the exact versions of what those bands were doing, though, which I think is a far different animal, right? From right. What they're doing, you know, is that? But that's a conscious thing on your part. You're never like, Should we change this up, like. Oh, I would never. I would never. I do. I do feel like a responsibility to do a song justice when you choose to do it certainly like don't want to be disrespectful to someone else's tune and and if i don't like it i'm not going to choose it so that's a song i would want to respect anyway i guess and that's the difference yeah. like see for me none of like like right. mike and like, joey love those like songs yeah. i hate it like <laughs> right. i don't like neil diamond yeah. or very man love you know what i like 
maybe ironically <laughs> sure. as a joke to listen to. But so I wasn't bound by trying to be respectful right. with the song. I was yeah, just trying to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole point of them starting a cover band and the whole appeal of it to me was that like you could have the idea and then like in a week you could play your first show. Yeah. Or like record right. your first seven inch <laughs> or something like that. Have like, you guys ever considered just going on like full on weird owl with it? Um <laughs> No, not yet. It's just like it, it. It's a weird thing. It happens in spurts. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when we're all able to get together and even just do live shows. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's like I said, it's all in the conceptual stage. Yeah, whether you know what's going to make or break it. So, um, I heard like it's got to be a good joke. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a funny story about the Eagles turning you guys down yeah. for a sync which i thought was funny because that's like the only artist in history i've been yelled at by don henley's people for smoking too much weed in a studio mm-hmm. apparently it seeped into his studio because we were cheeching it too hard in there and uh so i've always had like kind of a meh I think that's fuck that guy. Yeah, you know, man, but like sort of, cocaine's all right. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, you know what? But like, just because you can't smell cocaine, you're 60 years old, whatever, in a recording studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Like, you're I mean, gonna smell weed. Come on, man. it's the 90s, man. You know, <laughs> like, like we got to get into. Was it, it the 90s? No, <laughs> just being a dick. Um, <laughs> but um, I use that line too. But what, what happened? Like, because I know in a normal cover you don't have to get any kind of license, right? So why, right, why were you trying to get one for the Eagles? Uh, well, it was. Uh, I know you got to do it for a sync license. I know we wanted to do a video for it. That was oh, why. Okay. Like, and and that's when you have to. Like start paying oh, people or asking people if you can do right. it, and they can say no, and then you can't do it. Or if you do it, they'll sue so you. So Weird oh, Al had yeah. to get approval before he did for all the that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, so yeah. Michael like, Jackson cleared it. Like but all dude, those Al, Weird Al was like, it was like that was validation. Like if he didn't do your song, it was a, you were bummed. Back, Except for back Coolio, man. He and Coolio had beef. Oh, they, they they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like Weird Al could take him. <laughs> Not a big man. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of videos, my friend Jamie is in your video for I Believe I Can Fly. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, Derek Wibley, like Paris Hilton, there's all these kind of cameos in it. I mean, what was... Mike knew a lot of people, yeah, man. He still does. He, was he just, like, come down to this bar yeah, shooting a video? That was essentially it. Yeah? Yeah, Mike Mike knows a lot of people. I You know, I know a lot of people in San Francisco or <laughs> Pittsburgh, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? But, uh, no, that was all him. I think we got Jello in that video too, which was okay. kind of awesome. That's a, that is awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was fun. I don't remember much about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But uh, no. So the Eagles, they said that uh, not only could we not get the license, would they not give it to us? The management responded to us, but they said that the um, the Eagles wanted us to know that they hated our version. <laughs> They wanted to. They wanted wow. you to know. Yeah. <laughs> it was important to them that we know. That's, that. that's, a, fucking that's a great sign. I yeah. think it, you I know, did a good like job. A red badge of courage. Yeah, totally. That's true. Yeah. The Eagles have been like so kind of hated over time, especially by you know punk rockers of like twenty and thirty years ago, and like, and I always thought maybe they just get a bad rap because they really pioneered that cheesy California sound, but then. You always hear these stories that they full on fucking deserve it. Like, 
They just they have they have to go the extra mile to let you know that no, it's actually true. We're kind of like douchebags. Yeah, like they didn't have to say that. No, <laughs> but they Brad, didn't. what was like what what was the perception of the Eagles in like the seventies? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, I dude. mean it was different. For us. Innovators, <laughs> were, classic like, rock already for you know me, but you were like wicked, living man. in it. Like I was living it in the back of the station wagon, leather man. pants, <laughs> fucking around, cocaine fuels. <laughs> Orgies of music and no, I don't know, man. No, I we, to, we, like, uh, where were we? Like the, the the we played a show in Philadelphia one time, and we did that song and said, I think somebody said like, we hate the fucking Eagles, man. Like you know, in the Big Lebowski, oh, yeah, yeah. but they couldn't even take that. Like they knew what we meant, but just the words coming out of our mouth saying that we hate the Eagles, like the whole crowd turned on us, man, because they thought we were talking about the Eagles. Oh, you know what no. I mean? Like yeah, Uh-oh. dude. I'm surprised this this ties into what we were talking about before about Santa Claus getting hit in the head with a ice ball, and it was those wild Eagles fans. Yeah. What's wrong with them? I don't know. I mean, it's only football. It's a game. What yeah, are they Philly doing? They almost killed no joke, Santa man. Claus. I'm Jewish, and I was I'm Wait, what offended. Happened? It was many years ago. They they parade Santa Claus out. I think at halftime or before a game to. Oh, you know, make the kids happy. Many kids at a sporting event. Sure. Some some schmo takes a <laughs> takes a, an ice ball wrapped in a snowball and cranks Santa in the head <laughs> and kill like hospital visit in front of the whole stadium. Yeah. The place in front of is the crazy. kids, man. The kids. The kids, man. That. That's not cool. And that fires me up, man. When it's about the kids. <clears throat> I tell you, you know, the worst thing about that was was that that Christmas was canceled that year. It was. Yeah. And they blamed because it on the, the Jews, Jews, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like what? How, we've had <laughs> we've had Max on the podcast and some other utters, swing mm-hmm. and utters type mm-hmm. people. I mean, what what era of the utters were you kind of playing with those guys, or how did that kind of come about? Um, well, because I knew Max. Okay, and from like ninety eight to I want to say two thousand eleven okay. or two thousand thirteen, which was a good eight year run. I did a lot of touring with them. So it's like juvenile product kind of era. Right after that. Right after that. Okay. Right after that. Like they they were finishing five lessons learned, and oh, then man. I started traveling with them. Yeah, those records are. I still listen to records all the time. So yeah. great. They hold hold up so well. Mm. Um, yeah that 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 uh, that was a good time. We did a lot of traveling, man. Yeah. We drove from San Francisco to Poughkeepsie one time, <laughs> like straight. Like we slept, you know, for five six hours at a time, but like. Just took the eighty, and then when we got to the Poconos, there was like a, a blizzard. Oh, it was crazy. But, van uh, days, yeah, yeah. You guys, you I still keep it real. Still man. Van were you guys were... on that tour, that Descendants Bouncing Souls tour? Were you? In that, in that I think era? they were. That they were, that, okay. that would have been before I was playing. That gotcha. would have been uh, Kevin Wickersham. Gotcha. And then, so what? When the when Me First isn't touring, obviously everyone else has other projects. What's mm. what's sort of your kind of day to day life when Me First isn't kind of super active? Uh, what's a day in the life of Spike like? <laughs> I get up, I get baked, I walked around the tenderloin. You know what I mean? That that's the um, that's the weird kind of skid row above Market Street in San Francisco. Yeah. It got its name because cops, uh, I guess, in the thirties, they got hazard pay. For working the neighborhood so they uh, could afford better meat. And wow. it's like, so it's been like a shitty neighborhood <clears throat> for like a hundred years. You know I'd what say, I mean? I'd nominate the Tenderloin in San Francisco or downtown Orlando 
as the most aggressive bums in the U.S. Yeah, where's like the war yeah. field yeah. and that stuff? Is that over there? That, yeah, that okay. that would sort of qualify. Like that, or is arguably like the worst part of the tenderloin is when it empties out onto onto Market Street. Yeah, like it just gets really weird there. Yeah. And like bus drivers have the best like kind of perspective on it because they're the ones that have to stay parked there and i've talked to people that like when you know when you wake up on the bus at like five in the morning and can't go back to sleep the best thing to do especially if you're on one of those double decker buses is just to like sit up there and watch the neighborhood wake up because it just like is this crazy like crackhead ant farm I I was on, I was on tour with I was on tour with that band Paramore. I was doing a cover story for them, and they were playing the Warfield, and we were on the bus watching like crack deals, mm-hmm. and they were like seventeen. They were like, oh, "What's yeah, going on out there?" They were like, candy, and I was like, "Yeah, that's they're selling crack." crack. And then that person's gonna Oxy, go smoke crack. Yeah, a lot of oxycontin, a lot of painkillers. But you know what's so strange about that area to me is like there's so much fancy stuff around too. Yeah, like is how. Is it always sort of been? How did that? I don't. I don't know what I'm asking, but that to me is striking. It feels like long money. Like there's a lot of like, like long money, kind of shady real estate shit happening in San Francisco right now. Mm-hmm. Like people that own property that don't want to do anything with it because they're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, you I know see. what I mean? Like yeah. so that like, and it feels like the other shoe is about to drop along Market Street, and so now all this stuff. Even in the tenderloin that's adjacent to Market Street is um, kind of feels threatened too, like practice spaces and stuff like that. Um, just little shitty old man bars, you know, for whatever they're worth. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I care about them. I don't drink anymore, <laughs> but like there's only like a handful of them left. Whereas the tenderloin used to have all these just like crazy sailor like, bars, yeah, like sailor bars <laughs> yeah. that like just just but just weird. And, like, Stonewall never happened in the Tenderloin, right. so there's no windows and those, like, amazing old, like, gay bars. <laughs> there's this one called the Gangway where there's, like, the hull of a ship made out, out of paper mache that comes out into the, like, it's part of the facade. Right. Um, the Brown Jug just closed because the guy, not only, like, an ABC guy came into the bar and offered to sell him liquor. Cause, and, you know, that's against the law, like, and you could get busted right. and get your place closed down for that. But right after the guy said, yeah, I'll buy your booze, he offered to sell the ABC agent cocaine. <laughs> so, they, they, like, so they shut his bar down. Oh, my God. Yeah, my being so played that place, Chemo's. Yeah. That place was, I remember the bartender's always like a mean transvestite that like hated us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's at the elbow room now, but, yeah. um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's sort of the outskirts of the, the tenderloin. That, that's kind of like the end of it, you know? And then now that's turning into this weird kind of like douche circus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it just, a lot of really shitty bars and fights and, you know. Douche Circus. Douche Circus. That's what these like these villages turning into. Like South Street used, in Philly used to be. You know what I mean? Like 15, Douche 20 years ago. <laughs> Douche Jason. <laughs> is, that, is, that the word, is that the word of the day? Yeah, I like that. Douche. So, and or Jason. No, adjacent. So we're supposed to make Douche noise. Douche Circus is going to be a band, Douche Circus. Fish Town adjacent. <laughs> Douche Circus. I'm going online now to get the URL. So what was how, how what was it like doing the shows with Jay? Obviously, um, was it a different vibe? Was it fun? Obviously, Jay Bentley, Bad Religion, legendary bass player as well. He embodies this weird kind of like 
this L.A. archetype for me of like like kind of a native L.A. dude that that I like. He's like, it's weird. Like it's it's he's deceptively smart because, and it's like those L.A. like like they always like they strike you as slow and as easy to take advantage of, mm. but they're not like like the the wheels are turning. You know what I mean? It's just just sort of like different, a slower vibe, mellower vibe. Yeah, yeah. And he's you know he knows how lucky he is. A lot of people that play in bands, like, they don't have jobs, man, so they don't know how, like, you know. Yeah. They don't have anything to compare it to, so they just sure. bitch a lot and they act like babies. And um, he's not one of those dudes. Like, he likes to get out and travel and, you know, Live eat food, fun. talk he, shit. He can pull off a kilt, which I've very few guys I know, like, on Warped Tour. I was like, this guy still looks so cool. <laughs> like, if I wore that, I would look so... But, Jonah, have you heard of the uh, Utila kilt? No, I don't that think they sell, so. So there's a company called Utilikilt that makes more, you know, street-worthy kilts for the everyday wearing. And you can get them custom-made online where you get, like, pockets where you want them or, okay. like, you know, little customizations for your kilt. I still think Does it looks interest you? Does no, I, interest? I just think it, I just couldn't pull that off. You That's know like, this, Spike? You know the Utilikilt? Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Form and function. You could build a cabinet. You know what I mean? You could, you could take everything, you know? I think you could pull it off, Benny. Benny I, got a, in a I, kilt. Have, I have really um, thin little uh, chicken legs. Really? Yeah. So, kilt, like, I feel like, I feel like my, in my mind, when I think of a kilt, I think of, like, really burly, hairy legs inside of them, like... Legs made for like calves like melons. Yeah. Who was the congressman that said you that? Know, like, he, do you remember that? Legs know. made for like <laughs> something like, around like the Scottish about a, a woman misty I hillside. You no, know? no, no, no. There was this congressman <laughs> that said like he was. Legs it was like, like Steve King guy from Iowa. Oh man. yeah, he's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was talking about Mexicans coming across the border. Like some of them, I assume, are good people. It's like one of those, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. But then others have calves the size of watermelons <laughs> from hauling weed across the border. <laughs> like, like others like, saying they others weed in their calves. No, like, no, no. He just oh, like muscles. that was just the first thing that came to his mind was like they're they're like. <laughs> Super uh, overdeveloped, like calf muscles from like transporting weed and other wow. illicit substances to. Well, that doesn't make sense to unsuspecting, <laughs> innocent, young but, American but yeah, boys and yeah. girls. Have you so, seen all the videos of the guys coming into New York with the cocaine taped to their legs like pants? Yeah, like they'll have like <laughs> cocaine all the way up their whole legs, and they'll be like, "Yeah, the guy's acting weird, and his pants seem kind of big, and we took his <laughs> pants down, and he just had like." Like eighty thousand dollars of cocaine, Jesus, and it happened like no. twice in a week here. Yeah, like coming from the Dominican you Republic have some or balls something to try and go through security. I like, would blow it immediately. I, it would. Yeah, I can't lie about anything. Anyone with even even light training in human surveillance would see me a yeah, mile away. I'd yeah. be sweating. Yeah, there's no way I no could way. do it. No way. My I have a cousin who literally rolls joints and puts them in an Altoids box right. and just throws them in his checked luggage. Yeah, it's like fuck it. Right. I, I He's did, like, I don't care. Like, I smuggled drugs from Mike once, as we've talked about it, but that was my only first and last time ever doing it. It's too scary. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Too scary. <laughs> it's Especially, getting better. I, I, well, you know, like now with, with uh, I think with vaporizers now, yeah. like if you just pack a bunch of nicotine things yeah. in with it. Edibles you know? getting hip to it. Huh? They're getting hip to it. I think Are they? The, I think actually they just banned 
uh, e-cigarettes on planes, which is going to include vaporizers oh. too. So, you know, you get, I mean, listen, we all think like, oh, you know, we're alternative people. Well, I mean, one of those motherfuckers smokes weed, like they'll figure it out, <laughs> you know, like they're not as dumb as we think. No, and people love to get their last licks in. Yeah. Especially yeah, if they right. sense that, that the tide is turning. That's and that true. It's Mile more... High Club, dude. Let's vape the bathroom <laughs> super hard. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever vape? No, I burn, but yeah. I, don't, I, you know, yeah, I, I vape. You know what I mean? Jonah, you know you just said that, right? I know, yeah, I know. You well, I, do you I even like vape? I, you vape, bro? Have I you seen that guy Blake vapes on I, Instagram, man? There's oh, a is guy, that the guy like, with the tricks? With the smoke tricks? Yeah, but, but like every once in a while, like, like, I can't, you can't watch all of them, but there's like two of them that are, that are like pretty instant impressive. classics. My friend was trying to explain yeah. to me, he's like, dude, it's like an art. Like this is like you get this special battery and you look people that they're like it takes a lot of talent. It's to pretty honestly. I wanted to just hate on it because I'm like, oh great. It seems like Bluetooth. This is something the world needs. <laughs> and then you know I clicked on it and I'm like, eh, it's kind of cool. It, you know what it reminds me of that scene uh, when Gandalf is getting stoned in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and he shoots the little boat through the ring. Mm-hmm. Kind of <laughs> like that. I mean, can't hate on that, right? <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> he can't hate on Gandalf. No. He can't hate on wizards like Mm-mm. getting high. Impossible. I mean, that's just only turns into good things. So right? how, how did you make the transition from working at Fat to sort of forming a band with the owner of the label, basically? Because that seems like a very impressive maneuver. Well, he had the idea. Okay. He and Joey had this idea because um, they thought that like the best song on any given like 90s punk record was generally the cover so why not just cut to the chase and do like a band of all covers it's pretty smart yeah it is pretty smart (laughs) really and uh and i had done covers i've been playing with cover bands uh i played with this guy in this band i don't know if you've heard of called psychotic pineapple they're this weird like barrier like missing link kind of band between like they were sort of 60s punkers before like right before like the punk explosion so they had like brian jones haircuts and like striped shirts worth checking out yeah absolutely um but by that time they were just playing covers above the paradise lounge it's where i met my wife um uh so like and i guess mike had seen me up there I was singing like Stevie Wonder and Alice Cooper songs, like while I was shipping and receiving things to the wrong places. <laughs> and they, you know what I mean? Like they needed a place to put me that that where I could do less damage. I gotcha. Think, too. gotcha. <laughs> what was like a day to day like in that office? Like, it, was there a lot of people coming through? Like, pretty. I mean, was it like was it a real work environment, or were people ripping it pretty hard? No, it was it was an actual work environment. You know, like uh, at least with. The shipping and receiving, it, it was a job job. You yeah, know? I can imagine there was a lot of stuff coming through. Yeah. yeah. Pallets and boxes and... and uh, I was ordering Tilt Records and yeah, shit. Dude, I yeah, know, man. Yeah. I was and down, I was shipping them, man. <laughs> I was down there. I did that cover store on Turner Press. To South America, man. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. No, his order. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did that cover store on No Effects where they were painted up like the Dixie Chicks. Do you remember that? They were naked... And they had like had stuff written all over them. I and I yes. did that interview at the office, and it was so terrifying. 
because I didn't know Mike, and I was asking him, it was our first interview in like 11 years, and I was like, asked him about Green Day and stuff, and Mike was like, oh, this interview reminds me of why we stopped doing interviews. <laughs> and I was like 21, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And that, now I see his sense of humor, I would like laugh at that, but at the time, it was so brutal. Yeah, it is a caustic uh, <laughs> sense of humor that that guy has. Um, Do you ever get sick of talking about Mike? No. No? Because I could feel like you're kind of inundated by Mike. With, like, between Fat and me first, and he's such a big personality. Yeah, it's just kind of the nature of the beast, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, he's... And it was his idea for the band, you know? Like, sure. He's done a lot of good things for me. Like, he, <laughs> like, like our musical tastes, to say the least, are, like, divergent. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. But that doesn't affect... Like, I like having him in San Francisco, where he is part of the time. That's cool. Yeah. How do you explain me first to people who haven't? Because I feel like cover bands in general don't get a lot of respect. Oh, like the nerds. I, I just feel like like what you guys are obviously a big band, but I feel like most people when you say, "Hey, I'm in this band, we do covers," they think like, you know, these guys aren't writing their own stuff. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> We're a punk rock wedding band. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like like it's 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 weird. I was talking, like, a friend of mine played with Kelly Stoltz for a while. Like, he just played, like, saxophone and, like, percussion and stuff. And he traveled with them. And he felt like there were these kind of two different tiers of people. There were all these, um, and these are, like, the threatened people that I told you about. The people that that are threatened, feel threatened by ambition. Mm. But then when somebody is ambitious enough to create their own stuff... And like write their own music and and not just write your own music, but you have to like perform it and put balls behind like shit that you might like. You don't know if it's any good because you haven't played it for people. And uh, but but my friend that played with him, he said he felt like there was like there were two tiers of musicians. There are these people that sort of that wrote stuff that felt it seemed to him superior to the people that hadn't to just the players. Right. Um, But. Like, to, I look at it as, like, if you have to light a fire on stage, you know, you can use your own material or yeah, whatever yeah. it takes to do it, like, you know. And just because you're writing music doesn't mean you're writing good music. No. You know, and someone who's playing other people's songs could very potentially be doing it better than someone writing their own music. Well, and people you write, write music. write shit music, too. Yeah, and people write great music for better performers sure people yeah. write great music that could never perform it to save their lives because that's a, there's a different art to it like a bernie taupin yeah <laughs> exactly i mean the funny thing is that's the old <laughs> songwriter i mean performers never wrote until the 60s that yeah was it's all little, little jewish guys I mean, handing off 50s, songs to yeah. giant italian guys and, <laughs> and then you know we're all making this, really talented you know black people sing now? it that's you know really a jewish guy i don't know if he's from new york but but from somewhere up here on the east coast that wrote um uh strange fruit uh you know that the the billy holiday tune i know the song yeah that yeah it, she didn't write it yeah it's a, that's a weird backstory of how it got written it was just a dude who had been reading the papers really yeah how did he get the song? Like uh, he, he was just reading newspapers about the shit that was going on in the South, and yeah. just like wow, came up with like a, a, the words of that. It's a chilling, right? Fucking song, yeah. Man. Like 
Yeah, I think very few of those people actually wrote their own music, right? The performers, like the Motown yeah, no, people. Was it just a lot of don't play their stuff, right? man. Yeah. Like, supposedly, uh, Dave Clark didn't play the drums, man. Really? Somebody just recently told me that. Like, that freaked me out, what? man. A session player? Yeah. Like, Ooh. a session player played Dave Clark. But I, I don't know if that's true or not. But then, like, people like Mick Avery. Like, that's one of my favorite drummers. The guy from the Kinks. Oh, okay. And, like, yeah, I heard that he drummer. didn't play his own parts. Like, really? it, it was a session guy that just came in. because Well, because studio time costs money. Money. Uh, and Mick Avery probably could have gotten it eventually because, right. you know, but if it's a new song, that probably means they hadn't been playing it live yeah, yeah, all yeah. that much, you know. Just totally know. different scenario. Benny, do you play your own drum parts for the record? I just, I, I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, well, these days, I mean, you grit it out. You really, you have to hit your snare drum once. <laughs> and you yeah. just hit it really well once and then just like a bunch of nerdy british kids with their <laughs> buttons up all the way to the top they they just do a bunch of stuff hey, to it and make it sound you know great. you're talking yeah. about Steve i got everything who's in the room <laughs> no he's got he's american so he's got the one button down but the shirt's similar yeah <laughs> that's studio shirt <laughs> how can i illustrate to the people listening what kind of shirt this i don't even know how to explain it uh I don't know. Anyone short, in the short, room? Short sleeve, shirt. What are you talking about? Short sleeve, but what? Like, how do you? What do you say for this pattern? What? What kind of pattern is that? It's like snowflakey kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I think it's a nice shirt. I don't yeah. know. I think my lack of like, I just, I had assumed this is a very specific type of thing <laughs> because I don't wear it. So I, think I guess it's, it's just a short sleeve. I, think, I just shirt. think it's a really awkward. <laughs> It, let the let the record be set straight. It is, in fact, just a short yeah, sleeve. Let's ask the guy without a microphone Benny's to describe his shirt. Benny, I promise I'll, I'll wear shorts next time, so you've got hey, something. I'm dying so you here, can man. Get, you can you can rib on me, man. I just I'm just imagining like an oasis, the leg behind those jeans. Spike, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, do you like the um like getting dressed for a show? Do you like like that whole part of like the. The, like the outfits and that stuff or are you like ugh, i gotta put on this thing again no it's a new lease on it yeah for me yeah and and most of it has to do all of it in fact these days has to do with my wife audra has been like she's got a really twisted vision of american schlager that she's imposing on us like are you familiar with schlager no, not schlager no, no but i want to hear about it yeah weird like 70s and 80s german music Huh. <laughs> but it's like pop music, but because it's like continental European, like German music, it's not entirely wholesome. It's all about like drinking oh, and like yeah. young girls and stuff like that. And it's it's um it's like Dierza, like those bands. No, 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 no. Like like there's a new guy that does Schlager music called uh, Thomas Dieter Kuhn. Oh my goodness! And, no, and, and like it's the weirdest thing. Like people like us freak out about him. Yeah. Like, and not as ironically as you might expect or hope. Like, they're just like, <laughs> no, they're just like, no, oh, he's the greatest. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then, like, this dude, like, if you look him up, like, you see, like, like the guy, like, curls his hair before the show. Like, he puts on this, like, rug, it looks like, because his hair can't possibly actually be that, you know? And just these totally glitzy but trashy clothes like it's 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 like the german version of john waters and what's the music like but it's like just trashy pop music you yeah. know like but but kind of with an umpa kind of german oh sort God. of feel to it <laughs> but it's more like the visuals and supposedly this dude like shows up you know 
to these shows in like a black lips t-shirt and Chuck T's and then like, you know, curls his hair and puts on all this glitzy stuff. And that's what he's got a gold microphone. That's you cool. know what I mean? And that that's what see, like, I don't agree with like punk or like modern sort of like punk people, uh, like their whole sort of, uh, substance over style as mm. if what they're doing is not like a certain kind of style yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. just like less colorful deadheads kind of by now you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. if it's not 1976 there's no garbage strikes like what are you doing man and like, there's still a style to it just because you're wearing like fucked up yeah. shoes and a band t-shirt you all look the same which means it's still a style exactly right? and it's still like like and and the punk punk movement's originators were it was all about image propulsion because yeah. that was part like that was either about getting a political idea across or just about like or shocking, shocking people and saying side. like yeah. and just like a weird sort of form of exhibitionism or something like that hmm. but uh it's inhabiting a different like it's and it's all theatrics and if it's not why the fuck am i watching it man you know what i mean like it, yeah. it like and so putting a costume on to me and being somebody else or being like a weird sort of embellishment of yourself like that, that's sort of, that's the key to me, to my enjoyment and yeah. to, to it's, it, it gives you something going with the crowd because it's it, like recording and performing to me, I've found that like, it's not pure experience, like how it feels is not how it looks, mm. you know, and, and, and. Like, I can't count how many times, like, I've tried to do, like, a part, like, to sing a part in a recording studio and to sing it exactly how I'm feeling it and how I feel it should be. And then you hear, like, an engineer say, uh, okay, could you do it with, like, a little more balls or with a little less balls? Right. And then, like, seven takes later, okay, can you split the difference now? So it's not, and, like, yeah. you want it to be pure experience, but it can't ever be sure. and the closest for me that i get is putting on funny clothes <laughs> i love that i love that do you find like uh blazer and slack management is hard on tour harder than when you could just throw on whatever it is like you got to use hangers you got to find yeah. places to hang shit up now and right i'm the default wardrobe assistant you know oh, what i mean because yeah. well because if i weren't what am i gonna do watch my wife like fumble around yeah, with you, you know can't like, just have one do you do you have one no set? no because we get few. sweaty you like do, yeah. you know so we got to hang the stuff up and then when it dries put it back away yeah it's a thing it's it's a thing but yeah. like now, everybody does this. it everybody like of a certain level, like like they don't wear street clothes to to play rock in because they want to make it different. Yeah, it's different from you know. What's your preference post show? Do you like to throw a wet piece of clothing into a wardrobe type case and just be done with it and let it air out on its own, or do you need to let it air out? Before we let it, it air goes out. In? Smart. We let it air out. I don't understand the people who just. Let something be musty all night long. It's disgusting. That right? band, what's that band that uses Paul Delaney's friends? They use all that pig's blood and stuff. I think Watain. Mayhem. <clears throat> Maybe it was Mayhem. I think it might have been Watain. They played in Brooklyn, and I was like, I'm going to see this band, and he was like, Don't go if it's the end of the tour because they cover themselves in this blood, and then they throw their stage clothes in this road case and never clean it. And he was like, by the end, they smell so bad that you like can't even get near the stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. It does not seem like a fun concert experience. No. No. 
That would be fun for me first to do some kind of Halloween show where you guys are all wearing white and then do some some sort of dramatic slaughter fest mm-hmm. with the red. And covering Halloween songs, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Both of them. That could be good. <laughs> or we could do that for for the Christmas record. Yeah. Or the Christmas shows. That is true. And you guys just had a greatest hits thing come out? Yes. We did. <laughs> what was that experience like? I mean, how do you sort of pick what is is included and what isn't? Is it d- democratic or do you sort of, is everyone sort of on the same page? No, like they they the uh I think a lot of it came from the top down, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. uh and I, like I said I reserve veto power, but I didn't really they didn't pick them so much as these were the songs that that had were sort of the most popular songs and now that people can sort of parse records for the individual songs that they like yeah yes. now that we're in that you know age uh you know what the more popular songs are yeah it's pretty easy to tell these days so, i mean all you have to do is like sign into a an Apple Music yeah, I guess that's or a Spotify, true. and you actually have your stats like yeah. right in front of you. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. I know a lot of there are bands who are really like using these stats as almost like really advanced metrics on like how to market their songs and the how kind of merch to make. And like, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, like uh, there's a way to use that stuff to your to your advantage in a completely non artistic way. <laughs> Do you find um, I mean there's there's a, there, that's an art I guess you know Yeah the art I guess mathematicians would say they're artists right Right sure I mean they always write shit on uh windows right Mhm Yeah that is true <laughs> In like every movie where some guy's yeah. figuring out some equation why it's always a whiteout pen magically <laughs> on a fucking window that like rubs <laughs> off fine nice and clean I don't know where this technology even exists <laughs> The algorithm for for the Facebook thing and the social network right. wasn't that written on a window. Yep. The the <laughs> was that one a window? That might have been a dry erase. I can't remember. No, I just I just saw that that um, Ben Affleck movie. Did you see that? He does a lot of window writing on that. Ben uh, Affleck movie. Ben Affleck movie. It's, window yeah, writing? it's a recent one. Just saw an airplane. You're not He's, talking about Goodwill Hunting. You saw no. Ben Affleck movie. He plays on an this airplane? like economist guy <laughs> who's like brought into a. Ba- it's like an action movie, and they cut. <laughs> Get him in to solve this crazy equation, and he writes it all out. No, so anyway, it's a great movie. Yet. I can't remember the name of it, but check it out, guys. I'll, I'll probably see it on the way back you, tomorrow. You probably will. You probably will. <laughs> do you um? Do you find like sort of the not the values of punk, but just like the style of punk and the lifestyle and the way some people are more more difficult or out of sync with you as you get older? Like, is it is it different as you're getting older? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's older or wiser, you know what I mean? Or more curmudgeonly, but like... Maybe all three. Yeah. But it meant a lot to me, so, like, I don't know how to explain it. Um, This is a safe place. (laughs) (laughs) No, it, it meant a lot to me at one time, so it just, it's frustrating to me. For either to be so categorical, mm. you know, like, like for example, to me, I thought one of the punkest things that I'd heard of recently was absolutely not punk, which was, it was like somebody, 200 people did a rave in a sewer. Oh, and I hate techno punk. music, you know what I mean? But I thought like, 
that's people like controlling their good time and making their good time. And that's kind of exactly what it is. Right. And there were some people who were like so vehemently opposed to like public enemy or like Eric B and Rakim being categorized as punk. And I thought like, man, <laughs> like apart from like just the sound of the music, that's exactly what it feels like yeah. to me. Yeah, no, the attitude has just, it's not, yeah, I think it's funny. I think for old timers, it's more, you can embrace punk attitude better than for a kid. It's just the sound. It's got to sound like punk rock, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's how I was when I was a kid. You but know? maybe that's what draws you into it. I mean, a kid <clears throat> that's going to be drawn to the punk ethos, like, might have something to, to let out. You know, and I've always found like the speed, energy, yeah, and the energy of that music is good for people with something to to let out. You know, yeah. like it goes hand in hand with that. The it's funny that you mentioned the speed. like techno, though, because I I've dabbled in a little electronic music. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a guy, a partner that I worked with for a while, who was very much into it, and I really had a great admiration for the fact that that this was music that was created completely out. And this was early aughts, you know, and it was completely outside of even more so than like punk rock and indie labels, completely outside of the, of the, of the business, you know, of anybody's records, frame of records reference. were created, they were marketed and they were sold and, and, you know, sold widely completely yeah. outside of the commercial. They weren't afraid of success. Yeah. Like whatever it meant. Like, yeah, and I like, thought I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, and you know it was kind of punk rock. Yeah, and they didn't do it on any, anybody else's terms. Yeah, or yeah, and they created their you know styles that. Yeah, a lot of well, it's true, and it, and it put the old guard on their on 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 their feet. You on know? notice, yeah, it did. Because yeah. they're like, oh shit. Like what, and the old guard couldn't what, figure it out. They couldn't get in. They could not monetize it. Well, they could have if they weren't fucking dicks. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if they actually saw it, and instead of like they would have put them know, on a bill. Yeah, instead mm -hmm. of suing fucking little kids like somewhere about like downloading music, they could have just been creating the programs that everybody's getting rich off of now. I mean, they fucked up. But yes. I mean, and I think what you're talking about now, they're in a position where they have to reconvince artists why you even need them, yeah. you know, and why you can justify A&R guys getting paid like two, three hundred fucking grand a year. And like, I mean, these motherfuckers make crazy money. There's these not very old, many like, of them. The old guard label heads. <laughs> Fuck that, man. Every single label has got like 10 people who are making way more than fucking artists. Like oh. you can always believe that everyone from the head of radio to the head of publicity, to the head of marketing, to all the A&R people, and then the higher dicks that they even have to go play demos to, they're all making fucking dough still. Yeah, but the numbers are much smaller. I don't know. It's still big. They got a big piece of a, of a, of a ever-diminishing right. Yeah, pie. I mean, it's not gold toilet money, but it's like shoe whirlpool money. tub money. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like Yeezy shoes money. Gold fixtures on your whirlpool tub. Yeah, but like, you know, gold, you know, dust. Gold leaf. Not, yeah, yeah, leaf. Yeah, the leaf. You can't be buying bars and shit on that. I'm not saying that. This ain't oil money. The interesting thing to me, like, is to listen to bands now, like, 
they're not similar in any way, only in that they kind of came after. But bands like the Gun Club or bands like The Fall or all these bands that came sort of like after the first like initial punk explosion. Mm. And it was kind of their answer to it. Like they were bored by it or just weren't that into it in the first place. But they believed um, in or their only method of getting the stuff out was just sort of this like punk network. To, to ride on the... I think a lot. It's funny, Gun Club, which I I love Gun Club, and yeah. I think that like I think a band like that, perhaps even they just yeah they were just looking for they just wanted to do their thing, and they and they this was a this was this was a good way. Oh yeah, we're a punk rock band. We're punk. Uh, we're cowboy punk or whatever the fuck. We yeah. And if, yeah. And I also think a lot of those bands, maybe not so much Gun Club, but a lot of similar bands like that, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> no, and and like maybe they were trying to be punk rock. And the networks <laughs> that punk people had established were the only yeah. like means of getting out. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, that American true. hardcore movie was really interesting to me, mm. like just like because I never thought of bands like The Bad Brains and Black Flag and like Youth Brigade like yeah, I thought of them as like songs and records that I liked, but I never thought of them as establishing this network of clubs yeah. that you play. Like, they didn't have booking agents oh, yeah. that had, like, a roster of bands to use as a cudgel against scumbag promoters. Totally. Like, they just, they had to, like... They were, like, frontiersmen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, they really were. Like, yeah. at the Electric Banana in Pittsburgh, Johnny Banana <laughs> pulled a gun out on, on Keith Morris. Like, there's what? this famous story that, like, the Circle Jerks came to town, and Johnny Banana was charging, like, $7. Who's, so Johnny Banana was the man who ran the Electric The Electric Banana, Banana yeah. Okay. He supposedly, like, the story is that, that, like, he didn't talk or say words, and he went to, to jail for a little while, and then he came out, and he got this strip club called the electric banana <laughs> and then this dude reed paley from a band called the five or maybe somebody before but like car sickness one of these weird old like you know pittsburgh okay. like art bands uh -huh. convinced them to do shows and they started doing shows and then all ages shows and then out of town bands that started coming spot. yeah huh. and the circle jerks came one time and i think it was on like a seven dollar ticket or something like that and they didn't get paid <gasps> as much as they thought Okay. They should have been paid. Yeah. And uh, and so Keith Morris went out to the van to get a crowbar, you know, because like that was that time. These That's are the people that are paid. going out and yeah. like, yeah, trailblazers. Yeah. No contracts. Like, the Wild yeah. Frontier. Sure. And Johnny Banana, like, he was went upstairs and got his famous 22 <clears throat> and like told him to get out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> not, yeah. like, not at the electric van. No, not <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Hey. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Spike for coming by. Check out the new Me First and the Gimme Gimme's greatest hits album, Rake It In. And uh, thank you, as always, to Pulse Music for letting us uh, record here. Thanks to Steve. Thank you. Grywalski. Thank book, you. Book a session with him. Uh, he's taking uh, appointments for 2024. Booked up till then. <laughs> also, if Very you need, demand. you know, if you need any music recorded for your podcast or otherwise, like... He can do original music for you. Yeah. This guy's license. genius. We can license music, too. Yeah, there you go, man. Yeah. Give him a call. Yeah, give him a call. I don't know what the number is. Yeah, yeah, yeah look it up. Just look it up. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> Seriously, like, this is what I always say. Like, yeah, if you can't figure that out, then you shouldn't be using, you shouldn't be using his services. 
you got to do a little legwork on your own. <laughs> right? We have a website. Yeah, go We're to the website. Google. Pulse Music. Pulse Music. Um, yeah, one thing, I felt like when smartphones kind of started out, you would still get people asking you like for directions to stuff. And now I feel like it really is, that era is over, which is nice. Because I felt like it drove me insane <laughs> when someone's like on their iPhone, like, how do you get to this place? I'm like, dude. HTTP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, another great use of smartphones is you can send money so easily. Yeah, and Venmo. I Venmo think. is great. Um, if you want to send us money, support this podcast, all 260-something episodes, uh, you can Venmo us at OffTrack, O-F-F-T-R-A-C-K. The money will go to Brad Worrell. Um, and, uh, yeah, what happens from there? Who knows? It's some sort of like Swiss account you yeah. have, right? Yeah. It's, it's so swollen. Now, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you want to support that, you can do that. You can also, uh, I believe we have a PayPal thing on our site that money goes somewhere too. Um, or you can just leave us, as you can see, we're super good at this part. Uh, or you can just uh, leave us a nice review on iTunes. That's free. Tell your friends about the podcast. Tweet at us. Um, subscribe if sub- you haven't already. Subscribe, yeah. Uh, the subscription numbers, I think, are pretty are doing pretty good. Yeah. So um, thanks to everyone that's been subscribing. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say. So uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Thanks to Spike, and uh, see you later.